2: Hey, yo, what up? This episode of the Preachers and Seekers podcast is brought to you by Reshovenator Shoe Care. If you're like me and only have a few pairs of kicks, you got to be keeping those fresh at all times. My favorite pair of sneaks are my triple wide ultra boosts, and they're an absolute dirt magnet. But Reshovenator provides everything I could possibly need to keep those kicks mega clean and at a reasonable price. All my listeners can get 10% off their whole order by using the code PREACHERS at checkout. So check them out at Reshuvenator.com and be sure to use the code PREACHERS for 10% off. What up everybody, it's your boy back again with the Preachers of Sneakers podcast, the podcast absolutely no one asked for. Today, I got to sit down and talk with Jonathan Picluda. He's the senior pastor at Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, and formerly he used to lead one of the largest young adult ministries in the country called The Porch in Dallas, Texas. He's a guy that loves sneakers. He used to work at Champ Sports way back in the day. He had some awesome insights into this whole discussion about materialism, and celebrity culture within the church, and I know you'll get something out of it. Just make sure you keep an open mind, and if you disagree, let me know, and would love to continue the discussion with you online. Also, big shout out to everyone that participated in the Unlikely Heroes fundraiser. I hope that you enjoy the shirts as they come in. I really appreciate the response that we got for the past couple weeks. It's been awesome. It's super fulfilling to know that we're supporting an organization that's doing such a great mission throughout the world. So thank you again. I can't thank you enough. Okay, here's my conversation with Jonathan Pakluta. Jonathan Pakluta, thanks for being on the Preacher of Seekers podcast, my man.
3: My dude, I'm glad to be on here. I was known for the porch, now... I'm going to be known for preachers and sneakers podcast. Let's go.
2: That's right. this This podcast is pretty much an immediate ticket to the top. Oh, so good. Next stop, you're going to be uh, hanging out with Justin Bieber. Just wait. I can't wait. So, so, anyways, uh, JP, you've done a lot of things, mostly in the Dallas Fort Worth area, but you've also spoken all over the country, right? Like for thousands and thousands of people, mm. and that became a pretty constant. Uh, experience for you until just recently when you moved to Waco. Is that right?
3: Yeah. I mean, the, or are you still speaking? Yeah. The, I mean, the Lord was kind and blessed the ministry that I was a part of and got to have influence with young adults, wrote a book to young adults, millennials specifically i have spent the last 10 years studying a generation and that, uh, that opened some opportunities. And now we're in Waco still having opportunities to speak, but, but really trying to, you know, the scripture says, uh, shepherd the flock among you. And so hope to give my life to that, to caring for the people around me. That's why I got into ministry in the first place.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. So this is kind of why I wanted to wanted to talk to you because, one, you're a voice for specifically ministering to millennials, which I think is a big audience of my account. Um, so let's just get right into it. As somebody who's preached to and influenced thousands on a weekly basis, you've probably encountered some of these issues about being a church celebrity, quote unquote, you mind talking me through your experience with that and maybe some of the ways that you've processed all that and handled it?
3: Yeah, well, as you think through uh, church celebrity or pastor, ce- ce- celebrity preacher or whatever, if there's like A-list, B-list, C-list, I'm like M I'm N like G-H-I-L-M-N-O-P, something down there. <laughs> but I, I do, I, I understand what it means to be a, a medium sized fish and a really, really, really small pond, or at least get recognized, you know, going out and whatnot. And um, I, it, it can be a dangerous thing. Like, honestly, it, I got into ministry because Jesus had changed my life. And I began to read the scriptures, and it started coming alive for me. And I just wanted to change others' lives the way that mine had. And when I got in the ministry, it was all cost. Like I was in the corporate world, was making relatively a lot of money, and God called me into ministry in a kind of formal way. And then five days later, the church called and offered me a position. It was just crazy. And I went there and essentially setting out chairs as a community director. Nobody knew who I was. I wasn't even preaching or or standing in front of people ever. And, And then two years later, I started teaching at the porch and it grew and it grew to thousands. And then you know, we took it online and it grew to tens of thousands and started getting emails and calls from around the world. And, and I compare that to that moment when I went into ministry and it was all cost and it was all about Jesus. And it's so easy for it to become all about me. Like now, you know, I go to restaurants and the tickets paid for, or, um, you know, somebody just wants to display favoritism to you because of who you are, because you speak through a microphone and it just can become this dangerous place where I think uh, when it becomes all about you, it is the beginning of the end. Like at that point, you become a pawn in the enemy's hand that he's going to use for evil. And so that's the challenge is, hey, how do you stay focused? How do you you know, keep this all about Jesus and watching others' lives change and, and serving people?
2: Yeah, but like in your own defense, with it being when you started it being all about Jesus, isn't that— indicative of you doing something right like if you're growing this massive ministry and it's exponentially growing in numbers and numbers and people seem seem to be more and more impacted by you isn't there some case to that being a good thing it it might be
3: i mean it might be i mean being popular doesn't always mean being right i mean there's a lot of people in fact the most popular people in the world i would say a lot of them aren't doing the right things and when I think through, you know, hip hop icons or uh, music icons, and so uh, just because you get a lot of followers on Instagram or just because, uh, you know, people are tempted to idolize you or worship you, that doesn't, in the church, that doesn't mean that you're doing the right things. And so sometimes they say, they say healthy things grow. Well, you know, cancer grows too. Unhealthy things can grow too. And so I think that, that is not an indicator of health necessarily.
2: Hmm. hmm. Well, then how did so once you realized, I mean, there's maybe not a specific point that you realized you were a recognizable icon within at least the Dallas church scene. How did you get a handle on that or get in the right state of mind to be like, Hey, this I'm still doing this just for Jesus. Uh, the money and the favoritism and the privilege that comes with being well recognized is all good. But how do you keep that in perspective?
3: I think you have to read and believe the Bible. And so when you turn to Mark 10 and you get to verse 45, where it says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. I just take Jesus at his word that he says, leadership is service. That if you want to be great, you have to be the servant of all. And and I don't always like serving people. You know, when I'm operating in my mm. flesh, Sometimes I want to do what I want to do. And a lot of times I like to be served. So I have to stay honest with that and and close to my own depravity and understand that there is still a sin nature in me that wants to be worshiped and wants to be idolized. And every single day, how do I put that to death? That when I step off the stage and if somebody wants to tell me how great the the sermon was or how awesome I am, like, how do I not find identity in that? And that's that's the challenge. Right. I think you have to open the word. It's like you're reading it on a deserted Island and continue to go back to the basics and, and, and maintain this place of humility where like, Hey, it's, God, it's all about you. And, and the, and in full disclosure, like I think that's a part of me taking a step back or a step away from the porch and, and saying, okay, I read a book called embracing obscurity uh, that was really impactful in my life. It, it, the author's unknown. It says, uh, the, it's by Anonymous because they practice what they preach. And I, as huh. I read that <laughs> book, I mean, it just, the Lord used it. And as this opportunity came about in Waco, in this, you know, in a church, basically in a cornfield out in the country, it, you <laughs> know, it's like God is, God was like, hey, do, do you do you really believe that faithfulness is the reward? I think so often we think, Faithfulness leads to the reward. And right. it was like the Lord was saying, No, do you believe the faithfulness is the reward? That I can use you in a cornfield, or I can use you on a podcast, or I can use you as an author, I can I can allow you to have a best selling book, or I can um I can use you, you know, in a in a church that, you know, compared to where you've been, is relatively much smaller. And I just want you to be faithful.
2: Yeah. And I imagine that's a daily battle. Like, is, is, that a, daily battle. is that something your community group had to be like cognizant of? Like, hey, dude, uh, how do you feel about, you know, people telling you you're awesome? Like, was that something that the community group had to constantly check in with you
3: about? Yeah, that. And I think there's just a, a drive. Like, I, I'm a kind of guy that the world would call driven, you know, and always looking <laughs> yeah. to the next goal and wanting to climb the next hill and conquer the next mountain and grab for things. And as my mentor said, you know, Todd, who, who I worked for for years and who's poured into me, you know, he just said, you know, um, your job is to, to never grab for things. And my job is to continue to give you things. And, uh, and he did that. He did a fantastic job at that. I I probably didn't do as well of a job at the not grabbing for things, but my community group or my life group, um, small group, they would continue to remind me of Matthew six thirty three: seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so you have to keep the crosshairs on the kingdom of God, that we are here in this temporary place to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ, attached to the gospel, so that people will be saved, so that they will see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Matthew 5, 16.
2: What about that statement that all these things will be added to you? Like, the question about this is changing gears a little bit, but the question about prosperity gospel and defining what those, all these things will be added to you is what's your, what's your take on people maybe taking that verse in the context of like uh, seeking his kingdom first will give me all these things added to my life. What's your, what's your thought on that? Well, let me, let
3: me just nod my head at, I understand how they could wrestle with that, because, you know, that verse, there's another one where he says, you know, Peter says, we've left everything we had to follow you. And he says, I tell you the truth that no one who has left these things for my sake will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this age and in the age to come. I, I think that's uh Luke 18, I think, going off memory. And, um, <laughs> And I mean, a hundred times as much in this age and in the age to come, I would read that and like, well, gosh, what does that mean? So there's several verses that can be construed as what you just called the prosperity gospel. But the problem with that is the inconsistency. I mean, Jesus was not wealthy. Jesus was a servant. Like I said, in Mark 10, he says to be true greatness comes from service, from, he says, being the slave of all. That's such strong words. And, uh, you know, he says... To, to lose all things for his sake and to take up your cross daily. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. So you have all mm. of these verses. And so it's like, what does that mean? And I think in reality, when we began to do good things, even things like preaching or teaching the Bible so that we can receive things we have already stepped into the world of deception. we have deceived ourselves in that and we are in the realm of sin. Uh, that is not that is not why anyone should do this so that we would um, be famous or selfish or self-loving or narcissistic or rich. you know that's that is uh, that is a really dangerous place. And just to give you a verse, I would go you know first Timothy 6 is the token it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And so uh, oh, uh the last part is some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And... That, that's what I would say to the person who who is tempted to believe the prosperity gospel is true is you have an entire verse, i mean, sorry, an entire chapter dedicated to uh, debunking that.
2: Yeah, that's a great word. So like
3: in the same vein of like
2: wanting to be in the world, but not of the world, there's this whole idea of dressing like the culture in, in order to influence culture. A lot of the people that are really notable uh, preachers and pastors right now dress in all of these pretty expensive shoes and streetwear. And some of the responses, like we want to be uh, represent the culture that we're trying to reach or even like lead out in culture. Like yeah, Erwin at Mosaic wants to be an innovator in culture. Uh, what do you think that's a valid strategy or do you think that's putting God in a box or do you think, like where does that fit in like obviously there is a there's been a shift from wearing suits every day every sunday and every wednesday but there's got to be some some point between gucci and wearing a suit yeah
3: man i i don't know i here's the deal first samuel 16 says the lord does not look at the things that man looks at you know he looks at the heart and yeah most you you usually hear that verse represented as, "Hey, the world values you know looks, good looks, and whatnot, and you know God cares about the heart." But I think also it can be used in the term of of one's motive. And I don't, you know, Paul says in First Corinthians nine. Uh, I, I've I've made myself a slave to win as many people as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. You know, he said um, to those having the law, I became like one not having the law, or or having or under the law. But to those not having law, I became like that. I became to all things to all people, so that I might win some. And and um, I, I I don't have any problem with that argument as long as it's sincere and I can't see a man's heart to mm. know if it's sincere like I man I, I've seen the guys on your um on your feed and like some of those guys I've had the opportunity to meet and man I love them I'm like man they they seem like they really love Jesus and um pursue God and desire to preach the word and all of us bro all of us are going to be in an opportunity to compromise. We're going to be given an opportunity to compromise. And I just pray for those men. I pray that they stand firm, that they don't compromise the truth, that whatever platform the Lord has given them, that they would use to declare the truth and that they wouldn't get swept up into thinking too much about them. Because if they do, they would be better off having a church of none, that no one would show up and that all of us can be used in in the, as pawns of Satan. Like, like, you know, God will use a Judas and Satan will use a preacher. And we both, like Mm. all of us have to stay close to our depravity and understand that we're two steps away from complete ruin. And when you're preaching the gospel to the masses, the complete ruin is not just yourself, not just your family, but you defame the name of Christ. And so, man, I I pray for those men that, um, and those women as well, that they would, you know, keep a firm grasp on theology and continue to honor the lord and um the like i said the folks that i've had the opportunity to meet uh i've i've been encouraged by their kindness and what seems to be like the spirit producing good works in their lives and there's others that i you know i've seen and i've read the same things other people have read and and uh and it, i scratched my head probably just like you do but i at the end of the day god sees the heart and i don't so yeah. I,
2: and I agree. And that's, that's kind of why I, I quickly changed the way I was posting on this account. And especially after having talked to several of these guys too, like understanding that there is, there are nuances uh, regarding like all these different situations that they're getting these clothes and stuff. And that, like you said, none of us can truly see into the heart of any of these people. But with that said, and you can probably speak to this specifically. Do you think, or have you ever changed what you were wearing or what you're driving in based on the optics of what that could have been uh, interpreted as? So, like the 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 initial thing that came to my mind when I saw these guys on YouTube, right when I started this account, was like, are they not aware that the that these shoes are worth nine hundred bucks and that the the, yeah. the the image that that puts off, like regardless of what they're actually thinking, yeah. do you think it's worth understanding the optics or being aware of what people may think about what you wear? Yeah, man. Let me
3: let me can I, can I be real with you. Can I shoot you really straight? Yeah, uh, yeah man. I, I was I uh, when I when I saw preachers and sneakers, I stopped preaching in Jordans. <laughs> I was like, I'm I was like, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to show up on that site, man. And so, oh, I'm sorry. No, but but let me but let me ask you a question if I can. Like, how much is too much for shoes? Right, that, like I'm at, there again. It's all relative, I, you know. And, and I wonder again, it, it, and not even so much relative, as it is about the heart. Because like my cowboy friends out there, you know, they're they're, uh, where working in three hundred dollar, four hundred dollar, five hundred dollar, maybe nine hundred dollar, twelve hundred dollar Luke boots. And nobody's calling yeah. them out on materialism, you know. Uh, no, right. nobody's thinking anything about that. I used to, bro. My first job, I worked at Champ Sports. I slanged them Jordans, man. I would open that gate, nice. the line would be out the door. Uh, I was, I was selling kicks, and, um, and so, you know, I, I, we have to understand that there is some relativity going on. That, um, you know, even a plane ticket, which is, which is just a means of travel. Is more mm-hmm. than those shoes. Sometimes, uh, yeah. I liken it to another another thing I think about is like a somebody rolls up rolls up in a you know a nice Mercedes and AMG kit, like tricked out Benz, and everyone thinks, gosh, materialistic. Uh, but somebody mm-hmm. rolls up in a Chevy Tahoe that costs the same amount of money, and no one thinks anything because it's it's a soccer mom car, you know. And even when it's, right. it's the same, same price tag, there's just these things, these stigmas that we have in our minds that is, that are materialistic. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how much God would want us spending on shoes. I, I know that he wants us to be generous with his resources. I know that every dollar I have belongs to the Lord, that the cattle on a thousand yeah. hills are his. And if I'm spending money on shoes at the, at the expense of being generous, that's a problem. Um, and I do think you need to be mindful of the perception, but I don't know how you measure it. Like if I, let's just say I wear some $300 Jordans and, uh, six people trust in Christ because they thought I was relevant and three people leave the church because they thought I was materialistic. Who wins? You know, how do I, how do I, that's
2: the, that's the big philosophical question is like, can, can a thing exist that is inherently good while also producing some amount of negative collateral. Cause that's ultimately what this whole account uh, it, is, is like, of course, there's this positive discussion, but then also there is negative, like some toxicity around like the comments and
3: stuff. Dude, of course the answer to your question is, is a resounding. Yes. Something, yeah. something can be good and of God and, and still used for bad and something can be bad and and evil and still be used for good. There's there's without a question. And I think you say, well, then how do we know what to do? And I, I'll continue to go back to the heart. Like, hey, are we following Jesus? And are we being thoughtful? And I mean, we can do the the right things with the wrong motives, and we can do yeah. the wrong things um, by while trying to do the right things or with the right motives. So, do you, do you think the there? Don't you think there's a
2: difference though with like brand name stuff that is inherently ostentatious versus Lucchese boots or, you know, having a really function like an expensive truck because you need it for function or like yeah paying a thousand dollars for a plane ticket none of which is like flashy in any way. What I mean, certain trucks are flashy. Like, do you think there's a distinction between that or do you think just carte blanche? Like, hey, if your heart's right, you can wear these Balenciagas
3: let me let me say that i i I literally i sat with a one of the wealthiest men in the world one time and um literally like forbes 100 list wealthiest men in the world yeah like legit and um and he he drove a really nice car it wasn't you know it was was a nice car and someone challenged him on that and and he said something that i've wrestled with he said you know if god and, and this guy was was telling him how to spend his money, and he said, mm-hmm. "If if God, uh, if God, <laughs> if God wanted you to have my money, he would have given it to you, you know." And I, it was, Dang. yeah, I was like mic drop, big time, to hashtag burn, <laughs> you know. But I, and I don't know. I just I think we all have to think through. Hey, this is God's money, and honestly, right. the sin, the sin, bro, is probably not in wearing the jays. The sin may be in you know giving the gift, trying to earn favoritism. Like um, Proverbs twenty two says, uh, "One who gives gifts to the rich uh, becomes will, will be given poverty." And so there's these warnings about even that that I think we need to be cognizant of. Um, I, I don't I don't know a person's heart. I don't know what is too flashy. Uh, I know that, right. that all kinds of different people and all kinds of different cultures wear all kinds of different things. I mean, people used to dog on me all the time for my jeans, you know, mm-hmm. back when you'd have like designs on the pockets and, and unfortunately, because videos stay online forever, everything that goes on the internet is there forever. <laughs> I still get, yeah. I still get random memes and just stupid things, but I, you know, I and I have not aced the test man I have been frivolous right. with the lord's money at times and I have warned th- I've preached in things I'm confident are a distraction to people but uh man mm-hmm. at the end of the day I'm doing the best I can to make much of Jesus and I pray that these guys are too and I believe yeah. I believe that at least some of them are and I believe that you know sadly some of us are going to be led astray and man, I would I would encourage your listeners and your Instagram followers to you know pray for those guys like crazy. And there's a there's a spirit of cynicism in Christianity that I think is is equally as dangerous than uh, materialism and uh, all mm-hmm. of the other things that we think about. And so I, I I would I I do think I'll tell you the fruit of what you're doing. Is challenging people to be thoughtful, and I think God can use that. And um, but there is going to be fallout as well that I know you've experienced, where you just you can feed that that cynicism in the culture.
2: Yeah, and I I mean, being real with you, like I I battle with that all the time. Like certain certain days, I'm like, dude, there's no reason for these guys to be wearing these kicks. I'm about to get them. Yeah, but then very quickly, it's like, dude, who are you? to I mean I, the story I tell is like we pay hundred bucks a month for dog food or 100 bucks like every two weeks for dog food for our two pups and to a lot of people especially like in starving countries that's ridiculous and there's like a everyone everyone spends money on things that they absolutely don't have to spend money on and that's really it's really made me challenge my whole thinking on why i buy things or why i'm posting things on instagram like even on my p- or personal instagram i had pictures of me being like hey checking me out at these floor seats that were given to me at this nba game or like hey check me out at this uh you know cool lake house that somebody let me come hang at and really that was a flex like it was it was me trying to show people like hey i'm out here living life yeah doing it real big and that's like ultimately the heart behind that is just as bad as somebody that May or may not be buying shoes to flex on their yeah. congregation. Do you think? So, I mean, it's very.
3: Yeah, go ahead. Do you think jealousy is a sin?
2: I think envy is a sin. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, jealousy is yeah, a sin without
3: a doubt. You know, jealousy is a sin. Envy is a sin. And what's interesting about social media is so much of what we post is in an effort to make people jealous. And and right, I mean, I, I think we're really going to have to give an answer to that. Uh, I think that's Hmm. something that we've been really uh, not careful on. Uh, And I'll I'll even speak for myself specifically. Like when I go on vacation, you know, it's like, man, look where I'm at. You know, look where I got to go. Just like, I love your floor seats example. And what I'm doing is I'm just calling, causing someone to stumble, causing a weaker brother to stumble. I'm trying to to make someone jealous of me. And that's a sin. Like this whole social media thing in general, I think is we're going to see a major backlash. I think we're seeing the highest levels of anxiety, the highest levels of depression, and and at the yeah. root of it is comparison uh, from you know what's happening on social media. And it's interesting to me. I watched a, a show where a lot of these guys that that came up with these platforms, they won't even let their children on them uh, because they see the dangers. It is the new drug. And so that that causes me great concern as I care about a generation, especially the generation coming up, Gen Y and Gen Z. I think uh, that this is going to be detrimental to our health and our growth and, and especially our spirituality, because so often we're tempted to, you know, pick up Instagram before our Bibles and that's gonna yeah. cause problems.
2: Uh, i feel personally attacked at this point (laughs) because that i mean that's so much it's like so addicting to have this instant like dopamine hit from from comparing yourself and having other people see what you're doing and getting any kind of validation like every amount of like and share and like especially at at a more amplified level that i've been feeling because of like the media stuff and and all the hype around this account like yeah it's incredibly addicting and i like i i almost feel shame at certain points of the day because i'm like i physically can't put this phone down like i am looking at this thing all the time looking for some amount of like validation that's going to satisfy me for any amount of time and it never comes oh, Bro, I, i'm ba- I'm basically just uh, affirming what you're saying like I, i'm interested to see how it plays out especially with those newer generations that where it's literally ingrained in all of their upbringing and all of their existence um, it'll be interesting to see over the next like five or ten years what what interactions look like at all we're seeing it
3: man I mean we're already messed up I mean you're seeing the highest levels you're at the highest suicide rates the world has ever known I mean we're seeing it and it's in a big part of it a huge part of it is our idolatrous phones. And yeah, and it's it's just like, what are we gonna going to do? Like, we got to go back to the flip phone or something. We have to uh, digress. I right. know it's a tool, you know. C.S. Lewis, I think, says, uh, however, you know, something's potential for good is equally great as its potential for evil, and I I believe that's really true of, of technology and social media. That they are tools that we can use for God, but man, we are tiptoeing in really dangerous territory in doing so. I, I, yeah, I, and, go ahead.
2: Go ahead. I was just saying, especially at the level where you have any amount of, like, randos being able to have access to your psyche or your uh, level of anxiety or depression. Like, I felt, I mean, being real, like, I have felt that significantly over the past three months where you can have these random people. Like, God, the irony is that I don't know these people that I'm posting about. But have these random people come in and say something or judge something not knowing who you are. And it, like, legit will ruin my day. Yeah. And the power that this freaking thing will have over my entire psyche is it's got too much power. And I could I mean, it's definitely negatively affected me.
3: Oh, man. You and then you bring kids into it. I mean, I've had my my daughter say, you know, daddy, what's wrong? I just I just think it just seems like something's wrong with you, like you're sad. And I'll sit there and I'm like, man, what is wrong? I'm like, oh. Wow, it's just it's that that person that just commented on my post or said something mean or you know that yeah, what what's going on? I um I wanna say this real quick as I as I think about your account and I think about um you know the, the shoes and the, the clothes and whatnot. I do think there's something dangerous with the honor culture uh, where you begin to to treat preachers, pastors like kings in some culture. And um, I, I I believe that leads to dangerous places. And I, and at the same time, I do think that there is a a respect and a reverence when someone's teaching you the word that uh, it's it's good to feel a sense of gratitude and appreciation. And so if if hmm. uh, you know if if one end of the spectrum is a lack of gratitude, a lack of thankfulness, a lack of appreciation, and the other end of the spectrum is you know to, to shower them with with gifts, and to treat them like a king, and and to bow down when you're near them, like there's, you have to strike that balance, like how do I just stay in the place where it's like, man, I'm really thankful for you, I'm really thankful for the way that you exegete the scriptures, I'm thankful for your hermeneutic, I'm thankful for the way you teach me about God's word, uh, and the way that you model it, without it moving toward idolatry, because idolizing a person is is a sin, you know, it's it's idol worship.
2: Do you, find, do you find that there's a – this is a leading question. Do you find that there's a prevalence of sermons that are turned more into motivational speeches and thereby the congregants end up praising the speaker for their energy, ability to motivate, their eloquence, things like that? I mean, because I see – I've watched some of these guys' sermons, and there's rarely mention of Jesus, and there's a whole lot of mention of, you know, get through the tough things of your life in a really cre- creative way of saying it. And then people will start standing and like raising their hands and hallelujahing the person that's saying these things. And you can tell that people really aren't praising the God that this, that this person is sp- supposed to be talking
3: about. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I think that teaching the Bible is, is not going to be the most popular form of church right and so when we're when we're teaching lamentations or we're teaching genesis to revelation uh that is not going to be the most feel good and that, and the scripture warns us against the ear tickling the ear tickling and the prosperity teachers right and so i don't want to loop those guys in i, I you know let me just say i'm right. i'm sure that there are times where i have well, in, in the porch, I probably even felt more freedom because it wasn't a Sunday. It wasn't a church gathering necessarily. Right. Um, there are times I've I've been guilty of giving more motivational, here's some tips and tricks, you know, 10 things not to do. And and in some of that, that's God honoring. But it is my job. Like, I'm a Bible teacher. I teach the Bible and I preach the gospel. Like, I want uh, heaven and hell are at stake. People are going to hell. Jesus is the difference. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets the father except through him. It's his death and resurrection, his blood shed on the cross for me. Like that's got to be at the center of everything that I do. And I don't want anything to distract from that. And at the same time, you know, I want to do everything within my power to persuade men to trust, to persuade people, men and women, to trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, and sometimes what i do in an effort to persuade them might be a distraction to someone else and the holy spirit's going to sort that out but mm. but that's what i want to be about I and so is there is there a um is there a tie to the the motivational preaching and the crowds and uh i'm i'm sure there is you know i'm i'm sure that's the case
2: yeah so uh on that same type of note basically a lot of these churches are incredibly successful. The, the pastors speak really well and have a really engaging, uh, invigorating type of talks. Uh, and they, so they, they attract huge crowds consistently, weekly. Um, a, lot of thing, a lot of comment that comes up within my account whenever I post about somebody, somebody will inevitably bring up the book deals, the speaking tours, uh, the, uh, the appearances that they make and as you you as a pastor that's spoken to thousands of people and also have written books how do you think what do you think is i don't want you to you don't have to draw a line what what do you think is appropriate in making like extra side income on the basis of the gospel or being a pastor so the example is i post somebody's got a $1000 shoes somebody comments and says dude, don't you know that he has book deals and speaking tours? And my response to that is like, yeah, but what is he writing about? He's not writing cookbooks. He's writing a book and doing a a speaking tour off of something related to God, something related to him being a pastor. And he's able to sell those books to the congregation that is so loyal to him Mm -hmm. that he's built up by being an awesome speaker do you do you have any issue with that, or do you do you, is have you seen somebody model that in an appropriate way? Because for some reason, just like the sneakers, that kind of stirs something within me that I don't know is healthy or not. But it makes me be like, hmm, is it seems like a pretty good business model to have a a committed group of thirty thousand people and live streamers each week. You write a book, and you can say, well, hey, here's my congregation. I just wrote this book. Check it out. Yeah. Go buy it. Share it with your friends. And now we're talking about somebody who's making millions of dollars. Yeah. And maybe that's righteous. And maybe that isn't for any of us to question. But I know that's brought up a ton. And it, for, for better or for worse, that, that stirs something in my heart. So we'd, we'd like to hear your thoughts
3: on that. Yeah, man. Let me say this. I was mentored by a guy who I love and respect who I, I think could have been bigger and more well-known and wealthier and had a bigger platform. But he, he consistently made choices to uh, shepherd the flock among him. And, and to not give into that. And I, so I learned a ton from him. In neutral, I, I think I'm like a, a sales guy. Like I was a sales guy turned pastor. I'm a marketer. I'm, my brain is always thinking about how to get people to, to click things or to like things or to post things. And I have to kill that part of me all the time and, unless it's about yeah. Jesus because it, it can so quickly become about me. And so I have to have people in my life who will consistently uh, ask me the hard questions. And, you know, at the same time, so I think that all that's there. And at the same time, I don't think the second that someone writes a really successful book that they have to step out of ministry. When when Welcome to Adulting became a bestseller, I wasn't thinking, okay, now how do I go into the corporate world? Or, you know, I, I absolutely, for me to be a Christian, I have to give all of this money away. I can't keep any of it for myself. You know, right. I, I think that um, but I do think that I need to immediately think that, hey, how do I be generous? You know, I, I, I think about someone on your your site, like let's just say Mike Todd. I, mm-hmm. He has greater temptations than I do. I mean, that's the truth is as is, is he's more well known than I am. He has more followers than I do. Uh, he's going to face a greater temptation. And so it's easy for me to sit here and, and, and maybe, you know, I would say I wouldn't do something like that, but the truth is, uh, I don't face those temptations and maybe I would fail much more miserably than, than someone else. And, and, and he just happens to be someone that I've met and, and, and really appreciated just his kindness and, and what seems to be, uh, just the, the fruit of the spirit and, and wanting people to know more about Jesus and loving others and, and uh and a you know the, the heart of of someone who wants to serve and and i don't know that for everyone you know i, I can't speak yeah. speak to to everyone and i don't know where that line is because certainly there's people on tv who represent christianity that are that are crazy like i i don't even know i don't i don't they're probably not and I, it's not for me to say but they're probably not regenerate believers and uh right. and then there's people on tv who represent Christianity, who are, and who have, you know, go to bed at night all by themselves and have huge hearts for the Lord. And so uh, I just, I pray for these guys and, and, um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much is okay to spend on a house. I don't know how much is okay to spend on shoes. Yeah. I, I don't know uh, when it's okay to wear, you know, the fear of God's and, and when it's not, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I just think yeah. that each person has to wrestle with it. And if there's any good that comes from what you do, I hope it's just that that it makes every single person uh, wrestles with their with what they've been given to steward. You know, because we yeah. all have been given something to steward. It's so easy to say to someone like, "Oh man, it's crazy. You can never spend a hundred thousand dollars on a car." Well, it's like, what right. makes you think you can spend six? You know, right? <laughs> no, why yeah. is it okay to spend twenty or thirteen? When you can, you know, you can always ride a bicycle. So, what, right? What, why is 6,000 okay? Right?
2: Yeah, that's facts. And, and what I'll say is Mike Todd seems to be like an awesome preacher. I've listened to several of his things. He communicates really well and he seems to have an inherent sense of joy that can only be from the spirit. Like, people yep. aren't, like, you can even get that over his, like, YouTube videos. Like, he clearly exudes joy that comes from a place that's not, uh, him like working on himself like that yeah. like i'm really impressed with him and uh, i've heard from several of the people that go to his church that work with him and he apparently gives away tons of sneakers is super generous um so uh, I, I would yeah, really, i would I'm affirm really
3: with him. i would affirm all of that from from uh from what i've seen i've i've been encouraged and and would say the same thing and so that's that's what's weird though is like you and i would have never known that had we not been around him. And that's what I think we have to do in, in Christianity is like move toward people not like us and move toward people who make decisions that maybe we don't agree with to be able to ask questions and get to know. And then you walk away and you're like, oh man, now that makes total sense. I understand. And uh, man, God, God's using different people in, in different ways. And I think that's what what Paul meant when he says, you know, at least the gospels being preached by false motive or right motive, the gospels mm. being preached, and uh, that the Holy Spirit can sort that out. But I do think, you know, when, whenever you see sin, you call out sin, but make sure it's sin. And and so much of this right. is an issue of the heart, and so it's it's a lot more difficult to to call out.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's been something I've struggled with this too. Is that in at the beginning I didn't inherently think it was sin. Nor was I ever trying to really call anybody out, but it's since quickly turned into, hey, this guy's calling these pastors out for wearing these kind of things. And so I've, 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 definitely struggled with that. Like wanting, knowing that there is a biblical way to bring up sin to people that are in your church community and then how this Instagram account aligns with any of that. I don't know. And I'd, like, I, like, I talked to our mutual friend, Will Boston a few weeks ago and he basically was like, yeah, I wouldn't have done it the way you did it, but it exists now, and the goal is to try to use it for good as much as possible, and I, I, that's what I've been trying to do. I've yet to find any really defined answers on a way forward with this whole concept.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I wish I had better answers for you. It is, it, well, here's the irony. Here's the irony, bro. You've been put in the same situation that they're in, okay? <laughs> Do you, don't you see that? Like, I hope that's not lost on you because now you have something to steward that some people are going to misunderstand. And in some ways you have more in, in common with the guys that you're posting on than you ever did before you started posting yes. because you have something that you can, you can try to use for good, but people are going to miss or, or going to construe it as evil, misconstrue it as evil. And, and, and so you. You know, you have to do exactly what I keep going back to, which is weigh your own motive and your own heart. And the second that you, you know, you, you steward this to make much of you and, um, and to, to dog on the the works of God, you know, woe be to you. that At that point, right. you, you oppose the creator of the, the heavens and the earth. You, you oppose the yeah. creator of the universe. And so every day you're going to have to check your own heart. <laughs> Shout out John Christ And, uh. <laughs> John Christ <laughs> and and do the best the best you can,
2: dude. I am really I uh, I'm really not trying to uh, oppose the creator of the universe.
3: <laughs> yeah, man. But but <laughs> it's like a losing play. But he well he opposes the proud, but he gives grace yeah. to the humble. And so maybe that's maybe that's the difference. Maybe that's what you and I both called out. Even in Mike, is is humility. And maybe that's what I need to maintain, and you need to maintain. Is just like, hey, how do we? How do we continue to stay humble? By called out, I mean affirmed, uh, have witnessed in Him. Right. Um, how do we, how do we maintain a spirit of humility? And that's First Peter five, and that's probably my favorite passage in all of the Scripture, where where God just says, you know, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that in due time He may lift you up, and uh, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So that's a good word just for us to remember.
2: Yeah, that's so good. I, I know we're running out of time. I just want to ask you one other question about ask me um, cr- criticism. Um, so uh, a lot of the the guys and girls that I've, I've featured on the Instagram have kind of gotten heat for not responding at all to any of the kind of the criticism from the, from the media. I mean, most of it's secular media that's, you know, criticizing them. Um, from your perspective, what do you think is the right way or how have you in the past – dealt with criticism, both from believers and non-believers. Cause I imagine it's two different things. Like ultimately you can't expect non-believers to align with the things that you're doing by definition. Um, so maybe if you could talk about just how you process criticism being, you know, in the public eye in some ways, I uh, would like to just hear about that. Yeah.
3: Step one, you consider it. And if there's any truth in it, you change you change anything that you need to change in the same way that James says that the Bible is like a mirror, that you look in it and you see what's out of place and you change what you need to in James chapter 1. And so whenever, um, whenever you receive criticism, you need to consider it and you need to change whatever needs to be changed. If it's not truth, if there's no truth in it, then don't stoop to to believe it's true. Don't stoop to um, you know, let it affect your day like you and I talked about. Now, yeah. that's so much easier said than done because God made us emotional beings. He, we have the full spectrum of emotion. And uh, and so I think to do that, we have to surrender and yield to the Spirit. Galatians one ten says, Am I now trying to win the approval of God or of men? Or am I trying to please men? For if I'm trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And so how do, we, how do we remain a bondservant of Christ so that we're not living for the approval of others? But also sometimes the most honest feedback loop you're going to have are your critics, people that don't know you. And when they're saying something and you're seeing a pattern there, don't just blow it off or get hard hearted toward it. Ask God, say, Lord, is there something there? Is there a truth there that I need to consider and and make a change in my life?
2: Dang. That's, that's pretty legit. And that, uh, that applies to me too. Like, uh, I don't handle criticism very well right now. I've never been so publicly criticized. So it, it's, it's interesting to get your take, and so it's helpful to me to process. Uh, well, that's, process that's that.
3: because you're a punk that's calling out pastors all over the world. I so. <laughs> no. Nobody likes I know. you.
2: <laughs> lining lining my pockets by uh, calling uh, out pastors all over the world. Oh, man. Uh, JP, that, that's super great, man. Thanks for your taking the time and for uh, the insight. Uh, my, last, my last question uh, that I'm going to start asking everybody is – uh, what's your favorite pair of sneakers you ever owned?
3: Man, so I was given uh, a pair. Oh, here of he goes hand- qualifying. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Given as a gift, uh, <laughs> a a actually a, a bunch of sneakers. They were hand me downs from Troy Aikman, and so I knew someone that was his, you know, buyer or personal shopper, and he had a <laughs> bunch of size 14s, and said, "Hey, do you know anybody who wears size 14?" and and they said, "Yeah, my my pastor does." And so, uh, wow. in there were were some some Jays that uh, that I, I I I keep them keep them icy white, man. <laughs> I, I, I've grown fond of. So those are probably my that you don't wear when you're preaching. Uh, well, not anymore, thanks to you. <laughs> not anymore. You going to
2: put the you have to put those dress shoes back on, my man. Yeah, Those bring, sneakers
3: are done. Bring out the bring out the suit. That's what's funny about all of this is. You know, when people are wearing Brioni suits or sevenfold ties, it would no issue. But you wear yeah. wear a pair of Jordans. It's all I know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's challenging to think through. Where is that line? It, let me say. I'll end with this, man. Sometimes I I just think about. I, I boil down my walk and my faith to to this simple idea of God is in heaven is he cheering you know is he cheering on my actions or is he jumping up and down waving his arms saying no 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 don't do that and i'm just like what is the opinion of god and i think about that every single day of my life i'm like god what is your opinion of what i'm wearing what is your opinion of how i'm talking what is your opinion of how i'm loving what is your opinion of how i'm being patient just are you, are you cheering me on or are you you jumping up and down and saying no 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 don't do that you know that's that's for selfish gain and uh I just, I want to honor the King, you know, I want to honor, honor my God. So may we all honor our God.
2: Yeah. It's a huge challenge, man. That's, it's convicting to me. Um, yeah, that's so good. Um, before I let you go, is there anything, is there any way that people can connect with you online or you, what are you into these days? Do you have anything to uh, promote or anything that you want to get out there?
3: Yeah, so welcome to adulting is still out there on the shelves, and God's blessing that I have a welcome to adulting survival guide that um, is available, and and um, just love teaching through podcasts like you with becoming something. So that's our our weekly podcast right now, becoming something. And uh, you know, my heart because if I am your listeners, I am like, oh gosh, now he's trying to sell books. Man, I've, it's never been about selling books for me ever. It's about making yeah. disciples and trying to figure out ways to put the word of God in the hands of the people all over the world. And, uh, you know, he's, he's in charge of how he wants to bless that, but that's, that's what I I'm trying to do. And, um, I'm, I'm not trying to make much of JP or build a bigger kingdom though in my flesh. I want to, but surrender right. to the spirit. It's all about Jesus.
2: That's awesome. Uh, do you have any, uh, social media handles?
3: Yeah, at Jay Pekluta, J-P-O-K-L-U-D-A, at Pakluda, holler at your boy.
2: Awesome. JP, thanks for taking the time on the Preachers and Seekers podcast. Uh, let's catch up again. I imagine we'll have some developments here that I would like to hear your thoughts on. Come on, let's do it,
3: brother. I appreciate you.
2: Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, let me...